I, um, I was reading, I'm going through the Bible again, reading through the Bible this year, uh, listening. I listen to a lot of it. I read a lot of it, and I listen to a lot of it. Because I find, I find when I listen to it, I pick up stuff I don't pick up when I'm reading. And I find when I read it, I pick up stuff that I don't get when I'm listening. So there's only one solution to that is you read and listen. So I do part of it read and part of it listen and back and forth. And so I go through it again. And, uh, man, I hit this spot. And a little voice in my ear said, did you know Aaron was a liberal? Aaron was a liberal. I'm talking about Aaron Moses and Aaron, he was, he was three years older than Moses, and God used him to be his mouthpiece. Because to be honest with you, Moses, when God met Moses at the burning, burning bush, isn't it crazy? You got God, you got this bush, it's burning and it won't be consumed. You know it's God. He tells you to take your shoes off, you're on holy ground, and you argue with him. I just thought it was a bad time to argue with God. I mean, like, I want you to go release my people. He should have been happy about that, by the way. I would have thought, no, you know, I, and he gave all these, what I, I preached on it, five excuses of Moses. Five excuses before God Almighty. In fact, God, God got upset about it. Does God get upset? Yes, God gets angry. We're made in his image. And so he gets angry and doesn't sin. We get angry and sin. But, um, he, he gets angry, and he got upset with uh, Moses resisting all that and then said, well, how about Aaron? Aaron will speak for you. He's, he, he's, he's articulate, so we'll talk about that. But it just dawned on me as I was going through Exodus that Aaron was a raving liberal. Let's look at it in Exodus chapter 32, verse 17, 1 through 7. You say, what good is this going to do me as a Christian? Oh, oh, it'll help you. First of all, the whole word of God is profitable. The whole Bible is profitable for instruction, for correction, and righteousness, reproof. It's, it'll help you. You say, well, I didn't feel like it helped me. Well, the last three meals you ate, you may not have felt like they helped you, but they did. Everything I, everything I do, I don't have to immediately feel like it, it's something that's helping me, even if it is. I take vitamins. What a waste of money. But... Do they help you? Or would I feel this way without them? I mean, you know, you wonder about all that. Would I just be this way without them or with them? Or, you know, I take vitamins. So uh, you take too many vitamins, they make you sick. You know, if you take too much vitamin C, I started getting canker sores. How many here have ever had canker sores in the mouth, inside on the tongue? That's an ulcer. That's not a bacteria. It's an ulcer that ulcerates what I've read. Is from over-acidity in your stomach. So you take a bunch of acid, vitamin C, and pretty soon I got canker sores. So I quit the acid to stop the canker. Then I start, gar I start gargling. These are home remedies. That took me a long time to get it. Uh, what is that arm and hammer? Baking soda, baking soda. I, I uh, gargle. Around baking, so if you get a bad, if you get a bad one of those, mix you up some. Every couple hours at night, get up, swish that in your mouth, spit it out. Now, if you get too much uh, of that, it'll create an alkaline stomach, which then will create a whole myriad of other problems. 
You have to have acid in your stomach to kill the bacteria and the fungus and the overgrowth of those things. Now, you didn't know I went to medical school, did you? I didn't. But, you know, I, I read, I read. So, uh, anyways, it, it works out. And if none of this, if it's somehow not true, just go to your doctor and ask them. All right, Exodus 32, 1 through 7. When the people saw Moses delayed to come down on the mount, people gathered together themselves together unto Aaron and said unto him. Now, let's stop right there. These are the people, probably about two and a half million of them, that came out of Egypt, were slaves in Egypt, built probably those treasure cities of Egypt uh, out of brick and mortar, and they were subject to that. They saw the 10 greatest miracles maybe ever happened on the face of the earth. They saw the greatest nation in the world, Egypt. It was strong, unconquerable, humbled, brought to its knees to a place where when they went around and asked their neighbors for all their jewelry, all of the Egyptians gave all their jewelry to them and said, please leave. That was because they were scared of them and thought they were going to all die if these Jews didn't get out of there. And it was their offering. God did that. He moved on the Egyptians to give them all their wealth. They plundered Egypt on the way out. They plundered them. And so they get out there. They, they uh, see there's a cloud of fire by night. There's a cloud... And during the day, and a cloud of fire by night. They had night light. That was the first mention of night light in the Bible. Yeah, night light. I got them all over my house. I got night lights, right? Because I walk around a lot. Well, God had night light for his people. He had that cloud of fire, and that gave them enough light to move around, do their thing. Well, they had to do it at night. So God cares about them. So they're seeing that every day. The Bible says, Ultimately, he takes them through the Red Sea. They see on both sides. I mean, come on. The Egyptian army pursues them. They all die. They see the bodies of the Egyptians float up on the shore. The entire Egyptian army is destroyed by God. Now, this is this group of people. I want to give you a little, little background. It's just isn't anybody. If anybody should have had faith, it would have been this group. I've had people come to me and say, Preacher, if God would manifest himself to me, I'd believe. No, you wouldn't. You're kidding, you're kidding yourself. It's, you're fooling yourself. These people had a manifestation of God as, as great as anybody in the Bible. And everybody 20 and above, except for Caleb and Joshua, Moses and Aaron, well, even Moses and Aaron died without going in. They did not enter the promised land, only 20 and under. They, but why? The Bible makes it clear, Hebrews chapter 3, because of unbelief. They didn't believe. Now, folks, folks, if these folks didn't believe, uh, it's possible, and they saw what they saw, more signs, what I'm getting at, I suppose, is more signs and wonders is not going to help you. Everybody's getting to think, if I had a bunch of more signs or a bunch of more wonders, I'd believe. Why didn't, that, why didn't they believe? It's because we don't believe by sight, we believe by faith. And faith that is seen is not, or hope that is seen is not hope. 
What you see is no more faith. It's sight. So we, we, I end. It's going to take me a long time to read this if I keep that up. And, and Aaron, and so there we are at that hymn. He said, they, this group of people, <coughs> excuse me for a cough, said, up, make us gods, which shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we want not what is become of him. And Aaron said unto them, break off the golden earrings which are in your ears, which are in the ears of, I want you to notice who was wearing earrings. This is how Egypt has saturated these folks, the world. Egypt always represents the world in the Bible, always. The world has saturated God's people. They looked Egyptian, they smelled Egyptian, and they did what Egyptians did. And God's getting ready to change that. He's getting ready to strip them of that, what, the Egypt that was still left in them. And he said, break off the golden earrings and the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them unto me. All the people break off the golden earrings, which were in their ears, and brought them unto Aaron. And he received them at their hand. And guess what he did? He fashioned it with a graving tool after he had made a golden, after he had made it a gold, molten calf of gold, obviously, and they said, these, they said, they said. Now, when they said they said, it was that Aaron and, and his crew as well as the people, or was that once you made that, they said, the people said, well, you take what you take what you want there. They said, um, these be thy gods. Oh, Israel, what a slap in the face, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. That's one of the saddest places of all scripture. After God had done all of that, all of that for them, they look at that piece of gold, and they said, these be thy gods. They brought you up out of the land of Egypt. And when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it and had church. He had the first praise and worship service. And Aaron made, oh yeah, and Aaron made a proclamation and said, tomorrow is a feast unto the Lord. And that's capital L-O-R-D, that's Jehovah God. So now how does that, how does that, how does that calculate in your, in your brain? They make this golden calf and Aaron says, we're going to have a feast unto Jehovah. So can you use something that's an abomination and worship it in a worship service for Jehovah? Well, they did. They did. And they rose up early in the morning, tomorrow, and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings, and people sat down. Now, those are offerings typically given to Jehovah God. They sat down to eat, drink, and rose up to play the I've read a lot about that phraseology. We, we believe the rose up to play is they all got drunk and got naked. And they dressed and they danced and they had a big old time. Why? We know they were naked. We know they took all the clothes. They took the clothes off and it's an orgy. That's what most common, you go through the commentators, this is what they feel happened. And so the Lord said to Moses, 
Go get thee down for thy people, which brought thee, which uh, thou which thou brought us out of the land of Egypt, have corrupted themselves. It was so bad that God wanted to destroy them all and raise up another nation out of Moses. You know, God's not into time. That would have took some time. It took 430 years to get to this place from the, from the 75 people of Jacob going down into Egypt. So it took, he would have been willing to wait another 470, another 430 years and brought him out of the sea to Moses and did it again just to get rid of these people. And boy, thank God for the intercession capability that Moses had before God. He said, all the heathen back in Egypt are here. You brought all these people out to destroy them, and your reputation is going to be damaged. If you want to see God change his mind, talk about his reputation. God cares about his reputation. He does. And that's the way where, that's where Moses went. He says, these people, they're going to think, what in the world? Are you, what kind of God are you? You took these people out in the wilderness to murder them, to kill them all. And so he, the Bible says he repented of the evil, which many changed his mind about doing that. So we go to verse 21, 24, let me read. And Moses said unto Aaron, what did this people unto thee? Moses comes down, casts the Ten Commandments, uh, which were written on snow both sides, casts them down, destroys them, and uh, is angry, obviously. Uh, what did this people unto thee that thou brought so great a sin upon them? And Aaron said, let not the anger of the Lord wax hot. What in the world? Thou knowest the people that they are set on mischief. You know, when you get caught, always just blame somebody else. Eve did it, right? Adam did it, the woman you gave us me. And so that's just a common way people do stuff. They get caught. Obviously, he's caught. For they said unto me, Make us gods which shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man we brought up out of the land of Egypt, we wot not what has become of him. And he said unto them, Whosoever hath any gold, let them break it off. So they gave it me. And look at this. Look how innocent he is. And then I cast it into the fire. Huh? Voila. There came out this calf. So he's telling a whopper. To Moses, he's just like making this stuff up as he goes now. So you have to admit, this is a strange story. This is a strange happening. Aaron was, why? Because Aaron was handpicked by God to help Moses. He was, and his line were to be representatives directly to God called the high priests. You had the Levitical tribe, which was the people that, that managed the temple and everything, but the high priests of them were the ones who actually sacrificed the animals, got in the presence of God, and then communicated, ultimately one of them, in this case Aaron, and then later on other people through his line, got directly with God and found out what God's will was about stuff. And praise God we're not in, every time I read this, I say, thank you, Jesus, thank you, thank you, Jesus, I don't live in that time. Thank you, I'm born. Boy, you ought to get high. You ought to not get, don't get high. You ought to get excited about, I just came back from Colorado, you know. <laughs> but everybody's high out there. And so, high, you know, 5,300 feet. So, you, 
You ought to be thankful you are in the New Testament and everybody said, thankful you're under grace and everybody said, woo! I don't know how they remember to do all that stuff when I go through it. I mean, how do you remember to do all that stuff? You know, don't do this, do this, do that, don't do this, don't touch of them. They had to remember all that. There was a lot to remember. It was, it was serious stuff. So there's a few lessons I believe we can learn from this reaction and what happened. How Aaron teaches us really what is a liberal and what a liberal is and what a liberal does. First of all, I want to make a point that a liberal hides among us, or if I may say amongst us. A liberal pretends to be a fundamentalist. Uh, that they love that. Um, like Aaron did with Israel. Aaron was supposed to understand who God was and be like Moses. Because he was called to be the mouthpiece, as I spoke to you earlier about. So Aaron knew what was going on. He was there through the whole thing. He knew. Don't give Aaron any slack. He was well-informed on what Moses stood for, and he was well-informed on who God was and his commandments. So liberals often come out of fundamentalism. It's interesting. I watched it happen through the years. They'll graduate from a fundamental school, Bible-believing school, literal, normal sense of Scripture. Pretty soon they're using different versions. They're, they're downplaying the seriousness of it. They're using different music. Pretty soon they bring the world in the church. Pretty soon it's about numbers. It's about a mega church. You get around, you get around those people, and the first thing they talk about is, you know, how many, how many come to church? Not, not the quality of the people, not, not whether they're, they're, they're deep in Christ and whether they're doctrinally correct. That's not concern for them. It's about the number. We got so many showing up. The second thing I noticed about liberals is uh, they're very educated, often well-informed of who and what God expects as Aaron was. They often are good orators, good speakers, like Aaron was. Aaron could speak well, articulate well. They often are front men or people, they're people they're people persons. Say that if you can. People persons. They're people persons, as Aaron was. The third thing I notice about liberals is they are often sensitive to the majority's opinion. Aaron was, when they came and they asked him about that, where this Moses was, why didn't Aaron answer their questions? Why didn't he tell them where Moses was? He knew where Moses was. Um, why didn't he tell them just to be patient and, and to hold on? Because Moses was surely going to come back with some good news. Uh, why didn't he believe that God was just working through Moses? Why did he preempt Moses and God? Instead, he was deeply moved by the requests of the majority as the liberals will do. In other words, basically, instead of being leaders, they give the majority what they want. You with me? I think it was uh, uh, Wendell Heller used to tell me, uh, they, they are the leader. There they go, I must lead them. That's what Wendell Heller would say. There they go, I must lead them. 
Well, that's not a leader. That's a follower pretending to be a leader. And that's what a liberal often is. A leader says, stop! You're going the wrong way. Here's the a, here's a way. Walk in it. You know, tries to help them. Fourthly, a liberals often have no courage to stand for what is right in the face of opposition as, of course, Aaron did not. Where was his courage to stand up for what was right? This was his moment to shine. Amen? He could have been, he could have been man, a hero instead of a zero. His destiny for good and right was right here. He could have turned them back to God and rebuked a few who had come to him and said, hey, we don't know about Moses. We don't care about Moses. We want to go back to Egypt. Forget it. Tell them no. But what does he do? What liberals do? Gives them what they want. Now, folks, you can call me crazy, but this is true. What's happening in America today is we have been infested with liberal people getting in pastorate positions. And the people come to the pastor and say, we don't like these old hymns of the faith, and they don't relate to us. They should. If you're right with God, they will. And we want the music we listen to every day. What kind of music do you listen to? Uh, Bach, Beethoven. Uh, uh, no, we listen to uh, Rolling Stones, Jimi Hendrix, Led Zeppelin. You know, it's the old crowd. Um, the animals. Um, you know, uh, Motley Crue, ACDC. You, you know, you, now you, uh, you uh, the older people are saying, I thought that was electricity, but okay. Uh, we listen to Madonna. We listen to Michelle Jackson. Uh, we listen to this. We listen. And let me tell you, what you listen to, you are. Come on. What you listen to, you are. I can go in a teenager's bedroom and tell them where they're at for Jesus. If I go in their bedroom and I see pictures of, of, of worldlings, I'm so out of it, I can't even name any of them, okay? But if I go, and I used to lay carpet, and I used to have to go in there and take the bed out, take the chest of drawers out, tear all the carbon pad out, put new in, put it all back. So we get in a lot of teenagers' bedrooms. And we get in there, and, and I remember one kid had a picture of Farrah Fawcett Majors on the ceiling. You remember that bathing suit pose that she had? And, 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 or, or, and maybe they'd have the pose of a Mary Rose, you know, when she stepped over that, that grate in, in New York City or whatever it was, blew her dress. Maybe she had that one. How do you know about them preachers? I just told you I've been in these bedrooms. I didn't buy this stuff. It ain't in my house. But you go around them places and you see these pictures and you say, this is what's on the, this is, Whoever your friends are, that's who you are. Because if you didn't like to hang around them, you wouldn't. Man, this is just, this is, uh, this is horse sense, which is stable thinking. I had to tell it again. So, he shouldn't, give them, shouldn't have given them what they wanted, but it's happening across the globe. Both here in Canada, liberal, spineless, amiable, well-educated preachers are giving the majority what they want. 
They're apostatizing the church in the meantime. Bringing the world into the church through this music and name worship and all this other stuff is compromising us in the sight of God. It's angering God, and he wants to do the same thing to us as he was wanting to do to those folks when they apostatize. So we are not to please the majority. We are to do what's right, and we know what's right. Aaron knew what was right. It wasn't right to make a calf. I don't care how much they wanted to go back to Egypt. It wasn't right to go back to Egypt. It wasn't right. Stick with what's right. No, he didn't. He didn't. After all, did not Aaron make their debauched event a holy day unto Jehovah God? He made the first praise and worship service in the name of the world. Exodus 32, 5, and when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it, and write a proclamation tomorrow is a feast of Jehovah God. The fifth thing I noticed that Aaron identifies himself as a liberal is, a liberal is willing to violate the Bible and has a very low view of Scripture. They have a low view of Scripture. Uh, why do liberals use 25 different versions? Because they have a low view of Scripture. If, it can, if, if a verse can be said 25 different ways, and, and it add a word to lead a word, then it's not, there's no specificity in it. But the Bible says of itself that every word of God is pure. It says that every jot and tittle is important. That is a period and a crossing of the T. Jesus said, my words will be fulfilled if it wouldn't be fulfilled, heaven and earth would pass away. But my words, words, not paragraphs, not sentences, words. Only God could say that. So it makes sense to me, a God of that specificity to make what he's made, would, his word would follow suit, right? I just read, my wife got stung by a bunch of fire ants this last week. And she doesn't do too well. By the way, I did too well on that. And she swells up and gets stuff. You know, she has a little reaction to it. So I got and started looking up what's in the sting of a fire ant. How many here, you know what is in the sting of a fire ant? Okay, you got a well-informed group, well-informed. A typical fire ant has 46 proteins, some sort of protein, 46 proteins in their fluid. They also, it's venom. It's actually considered part of it, venom. And some other chemicals, and they all have to be aligned in a perfect order to make it happen. That's in a little fire that's only that big. That God cares about that. He's specific in the detail. Oh, how about a mosquito? Before a mosquito can suck your blood, he's got this chemical that he injects in you that thins your blood so that he can suck it out of you. I believe, if I'm right, Doc, didn't they use that little bit to help with blood thinners, figure out blood thinners? And they go to nature to figure it out. And I think also uh, leeches do the same thing. They use leeches. And leeches, I remember, man... I grew up on a little creek, or is it a creek, whichever way you're from. But I went to a little creek, creek, Christiana Creek. And we would get in, and when we got out, we always had bloodsuckers between our toes. How do you know? 
they would be so fat on your blood, they would spread your toes apart. So my to- I'd, get, I'd get out of the water, and my toes felt squishy. This is a special feeling. <laughs> and I'd, I'd take them and put my foot up there and pull one off and then pull the other one off and pull the other one off and pull the other one off and then doing thing thing about it, bleed a little bit, you know, because they injected blood thinner in me so they could suck my blood. And I'd bleed a little bit, didn't care about it. You know, as a kid, you're barefoot running on the ground, go back home. That happened many, many different times. Now, you may think that blood sucker is a simple creature, but he's not a simple creature. It's extremely complex. Now, I know I'm overkilling on this, but folks, don't come to the Bible and start telling me it doesn't make any difference how it reads. Don't you tell me it doesn't make any difference how it reads. My soul is hanging in the balance on what this book says. My never dying, eternal soul is hanging on what this book says. I think the God who made all that is so specifically has specifically given us his word. But a liberal, they got a low view of scripture. I'll just give me, it's general... If the general story is okay, now there's a thing out now called the chosen. And I appreciate the guy's heart on it. I appreciate the guy's heart. But that's about all. You don't have the right or the permission to speculate on what the apostles said and what Jesus said. And you are on thin ice with God. When you start saying, Jesus said this or and said, and I've watched a couple of them. And I'm like, oh, low, low. Even the Mormons thought it was a abuse of, it was irreverent. He said they, he used, uh, what are you going to call that? Artistic liberty. I love the vocabulary. Artistic liberty when he made the trip. Now, I, I love to watch the portrayals of Jesus doing miracles. I'm tender-hearted soul. And man, I, when I, when I thir- that guy that led, laid by the pool of Sloan, 38 years, my heart goes out to anybody sick 38 years. And when Jesus raised him from the dead, oh, I want to cry like a baby and be happy about it. But the truth is they, they have a low view of scriptures. The specificity of it doesn't count. Brother, I think when God made it, he knew what he was doing. And I don't know better than he knows. Uh, I'm sorry, but I don't know how to present it better than he has presented it and has treated it to be presented. But that's a liberal. That's a liberal. And because of their low view um, of Scripture, uh, they, they are pragmatic. What's pragmatic? It simply means you value something if it works. If it doesn't work, it has no value. But the truth is, the Bible says there's truth. Whether it works for you or doesn't work for you, it's forever settled in heaven. And so it's not about pragmatism, whether it works or doesn't work. It's about principles. The truths of the Bible stand up against all time, And they'll be there when all else is gone. They'll be there. 
Pragmatism comes with generations and goes with cultures, comes and goes, flows and waxes and wanes and, and is not predictable and will not, usually not last. What works, in other words, today may not work tomorrow. That's pragmatism. So that's why you see churches doing everything, almost everything, but having pole dancers. And that may be coming. I'm serious about that. I wish I could laugh about it. They're just about ready to sanction homosexuality, just on the verge of it. Your mega churches are just about on the verge of sanctioning homosexuals and saying that they're just a different kind of person who, and you know, that God loves them. God loves them. And he'll save them. God will not save a homosexual. He will not save them unless they repent. Because he didn't want to save me unless I repented. And he won't save you if you don't repent. And there's nobody that doesn't repent and believe in Jesus that can be saved. And repentance means you change. And become, instead of the world, you become like Christ. That's the whole definition of the world, of the word. So I'm not being mean. I'm just telling you what it is. Uh, transgender, can't, transgender, we just call them transvestites. They've changed it to transgender. They don't get, they cannot be saved unless they repent of their sins like I had to repent of my sins. Now we may have different sins, but all sin will send you to hell. All sin will send you to the same place, not with the same punishment, but with the same place. And so, brother and sister in Christ, uh, the liberal, he'll sanction stuff pragmatically, it works, doesn't work, and you're seeing it happen. They'll have women pastors, women preachers, they'll have rock music and worship. They'll go, they'll go light on immorality. By the way, living together, there's churches out there that are real easy on people that are living together. Now, let me ask you a question. Is God easy on people that are living together? No. No. There is simply no excuse for it. It's just right and wrong. Principle. It's just principle. If one, uh, there was a person that was living together, and uh, they went into a fundamental church, and they wanted to be a member of the fundamental church. And I heard that the, the uh, fundamental church allowed them to be a member. And I called up and said, what's going on? What, what are we doing here? You can't do that. Oh, well, we're trying to help them. We're trying to win them. We're trying to make them where they eventually see the error of their way. You don't do that by sanctioning it or saying it's okay, uh, folks. So there's a, this, light, this light or low view of Scripture, and I don't mean to overkill on this. So uh, everything in the Bible is clear, but it's, it's ignored by the liberals or, or diminished by the liberals or considered passe or culturally irrelevant. Uh, Old-fashioned is often the terms they use. But so as I go back to Aaron now. God wanted to kill Aaron for that. How do you know that, preacher? Now, this is something I want you to take your Bible and look at. Deuteronomy chapter 9, verses 19 through 20. Deuteronomy chapter 9, verses 19 through 20. He says, For I was afraid of, of the anger and hot displeasure wherewith the Lord was wrought against you to destroy you. That's Aaron. But the Lord hearkened unto me at, the at that time also. For the Lord was very angry with Aaron to have destroyed him, and I prayed for Aaron also at the same time. 
God did not write his book to be ignored, changed, twisted, diminished. It is his word. Don't you be a liberal like Aaron. Don't do it. Don't do it. Father, help us tonight. May your Holy Spirit guide us and direct us to respect the word of God, respect who you are, have a high, high view of scripture, uh, every jot and every tittle, every little mark being inspired, preserved by the Holy Spirit. May Lord God, when it comes to our own lives and when we read it, may we change to conform to it as you'll give us strength, as you'll give us power. Lord God, may we, may we indeed be conformed, not to the world, but be conformed to the word of God. Help us, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.